Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing you energy matters in an informal setting. In this week's pod, we return to the subject of power purchase agreements, or PPAs for short. What happened last year and what will this year bring? How has the energy crisis impacted the growth of green energy? Has it slowed or speeded up amid record high prices for power and for gas? Joining me, Richard Sverson, to discuss these questions and much, much more is Luca Padretti of Pexapark. A warm welcome to you, Luca. Hi, Richard. A pleasure to be with you. If we can start about you know, the current energy crisis, it's obviously dominating the headlines all over the world. But what does it mean in the context of PPAs, Luca? How have these very high prices specifically for electricity, impacted PPAs? Yeah, good question. So if you think of PPAs as long-term contracts, uh, I think it's a a mixed picture because uh, the high prices, which could be superbly interesting to sellers, come along with super high price volatility, as we haven't seen it in in many years, or at least in my career Mm -hmm. of the last 10 years. And if price volatility is very high, it makes it more difficult and pricey to close a PPA. So we would actually expect on the long-term PPA side that deal activity is hampered, but we will only find out in a few months. Interesting. So is there also a gap in expectations? You know, the sellers want to sell for a high price, the buyers want as low a price as possible. Is, is Is that quite hard to bridge at the moment? Exactly, because the the best period is if, uh, let's say, PPA prices are above, uh, let's say, investment costs Mm. and are more or less stable. That creates a conducive environment for sellers and buyers to agree on what is the fair price, a good transaction price. Absolutely. I mean, if you can highlight for us some of the events last year in 2021, what what were the you know what was the market like then maybe before prices really soared sort of after the summer? Um, if you can highlight some of the, the the major deals or the activity. I mean, generally, it's still a, a boom market, the PPA market. So it's going on since years. Uh, we have growth in the numbers of deals. So we're talking like we had 100 deals in uh, 2020. We're talking now 141. We went from 6 to 11 gigawatts. The corporate segment uh, expanded to cover almost 60% of all the deals. And we had more and more countries. Uh, we had deals in, in Lithuania. We had deals in, in markets uh, like prime first markets. So all is good, but definitely the, uh, the volatility, the, the price surge uh, in Q4 uh, was a major event in an otherwise anyway strained year due to the pandemic. Which markets are then the hottest, if you like, for, for PPA deals? Where I mean, obviously Spain is, is quite high on the list, I would presume. Which others? Yes, they took again the, the top place. They had more than three gigawatts of deals, mostly solar. As Sweden came roaring back. If you would have talked a year ago, I would have been a bit, well, we didn't have too high expectation, but uh, uh, thanks to like the decoupling of the price zones, but we almost had two gigawatts of deals. And finally, Germany is picking up. Uh, We're very bullish going forward on Germany. It was not that big as a market, but it picked up. And uh, these are definitely some of the the key deals uh, or key hottest markets. Tell us a little bit about Germany, Luca. What's happening there? You know, is it because some of the, you know, the feed-in tariffs are coming to the end of their life? Is that booming? Or what are the major reasons for Germany being in particular quite hot at the moment? 
There are multiple PPA markets in Germany. So one is, the, let's say, the new build, and then there's the uh, old subsidy assets coming out. And what we're really interested from an energy transition is the new build. And we have a situation in Germany where it is the most liquid market. Uh, we have pr high price levels allowing non-subsidy solar investments, now as well wind, uh, with the current prices. And you have 10 plus off-takers. In many other PPA markets, you only have three or four. And uh, that just speaks for the depth and uh, the maturity of the market, which would allow gigawatts of deal flow. And that's why we're, we're so bullish. Key thing, will there be projects? Will there be permits? Uh, that's the same what we have with another contender, Italy. Mm. Uh, we have been waiting for permits for two years, but otherwise it would also be a hot market. So this is the issue of, of permits granted for wind, for solar, for the large-scale uh, renewable energy projects, right? Exactly. Without projects, there can't be deals. Of course, for sure. So has Germany speeded up its permitting processes? I know there are plans and Italy is always wanting to, to improve them, but it, they, it seems to be sort of held back. It is, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Finally, I think the European support mechanism, the crisis is also accelerating. And we are seeing now really the first wave of permitted projects. The question is, how big will it be? The potential definitely is there. So is this something that the new Italian government is, is, is pushing quite hard in terms of cutting back and shortening the, the, these kind of application processes? Yes, but it's a tedious task. It's not just an Italian case. It's probably also in Germany. There's a lot of uh, local involvement, uh, regional laws. So it's, a, it's an ambitious undertaking to streamline existing permits. This is generally the case for, for most infrastructure projects, isn't it? I mean, they're not in my backyard, the NIMBYs. Uh, that, that's quite strong opposition. Exactly. And uh, a lot has been already built solar. Uh, a lot of has already built uh, wind. It's uh, a mixed difficult scene to, to get this rolling. So this might take a year or two. I think the permits we see now are still from uh, two or three years ago or longer. So if we turn to Germany, Luca, the government has very ambitious plans, does it not, for the coming years in terms of renewables rollout. What does that mean for, for PPAs? Is that something that you look on promising or are there also other ways to finance that growth? I mean, for CFDs or, or, or such like? PPAs are only one way uh, of route to the market. So the question is how the new system support measures will be actually designed. Will it be auction systems? And how are the auction systems designed? Will they allow complementary deals with PPAs or will they be exclusive? And uh, we would expect it to be uh, a complementary system, but this is not yet defined out. But generally, the size of the PPA market is heavily influenced by what type of support system is available and how competitive it is. If the auction system is superbly competitive and restrictive, investors are much more open to take the private route of a, of a corporate PPA or, or a utility PPA. And that's something you've seen in, in countries like Spain, for example? or Absolutely. I mean, uh, it was heavily influenced uh, how long-term PPA prices were influenced by the auctions and vice versa. And we've seen this in multiple markets, also Poland, which had an auction with it, which influenced PPA prices. So it just gives more options to the investors, but it depends a lot on what the actual rules are in detail. And this is not yet clear. And another aspect, of course, is if there are such ambitious plants, for example, in Germany, which would require adding 10 gigs of solar a year. This is impacting uh, expectations on, for example, capture prices. 
uh, and that's not yet clear. And this will also could negatively impact PPA pricing until until these systems are more clear how, how it will work out. Absolutely. This is the so-called cannibalization effect, isn't it? So when you rapidly build out, for example, solar or wind, then you depress the wholesale price uh, substantially. Correct. You mentioned, was it 60% of PPAs signed last year were, were corporate uh, PPAs, right, um, Luca? So I'm just wondering what kind of companies are we seeing or what sectors are most prominent? It was very clear that Amazon signed quite a few uh, deals last year, didn't it, um, across Europe? Yeah, it's a category for itself already, Amazon. <laughs> they, I think we tracked all the deals since 2019, and they're responsible for 10% of the contracted PPA capacity since then. So it's massive. That's huge. Yeah. It's mm. huge. So we have multiple segments on the, uh, on the corporate side. We have definitely the tech sector. Uh, which is growing in electricity use like 20% a year. It's the most dynamic. We have the classical, let's say, rational buyers uh, in the heavy electricity consumption field, like Alcoa, all the metals, all the aluminium producers. And then we have more ESG-minded investors that really want to make a commitment, decarbonize their uh, procurement, their impact, and they're also on the buying spree. And uh, so far, we have definitely the, the tech sector leading. We had the chemical industry taking a top spot last year and also doing a lot of deals uh, last year. So it depends to be seen how, how this is going to evolve. So we definitely see growth in the tech sector. The question is how big will this ESG sector become uh, going downwards? So do you expect you know, other companies you know, in the tech part, like, like Google's, the IBM's, these kind of companies to become you know, to become rivals to Amazon? They are. I mean, the big tech companies, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, they all have similar commitments. They might have a bit different strategies, but they're all huge buyers of renewable capacity. And they will, they are competing for assets. And actually, it's an interesting development because their procurement amounts are so big, some of it cannot be contracted through PPAs. And you see already industrials with great, great electricity uh, use going backwards. They're actually investing in renewables to secure to secure uh, those capacities. That's something which we have seen with the BSF deal, the offshore deal with uh, Vattenfall. And we would expect more of those type of deals going downwards, like the mega buyer class that needs so much green energy that they cannot just rely on PPAs. They need to invest as well. It's interesting when you have these very, very big deals, that's obviously a huge amount of, of, of risk that, the, that companies are, are taking on board. I mean, is there a limit to the amount that companies, you know, the utility sector, for example, can, can, can bring in? Yeah, there are different buying logics. So you have uh, the classical, let's say, uh, utility segment, which uh, is risk management oriented, trading based. So they are providing a, a service. They are very much reliant on wholesale market trading liquidity. They will manage the risk and the PPA pricing is a very rational beast. It's derived from forward prices and their assumption on certain risks. So if they cannot share the risk and manage it, the, the risk appetite ultimately is limited. And this is where it could actually be seen very complementary to, uh, to the corporate deals because a typical corporate buys on own use. 
it buys it once and it doesn't need to manage the exposure as a utility or a trading based. And they therefore have lower costs compared to a utility. Now, the interesting aspect is if, if you would combine that, because if you would allow a utility trader to step in between the renewable asset and the corporate, we could significantly increase the leverage that those utilities and traders can take. So actually, it would create the best of the world. Uh, you would allow stepping, having them step in and doing much more deals because they could take much more risks on it. But otherwise, if this is not happening, ultimately, the utility PPA demand is somehow linked to risk appetite, which is also defined by how much wholesale forward market liquidity there is. And certainly the price environment as well is, is, is obviously crucial here. But one thing I, I want to ask you, Luca, is you know, that, that's come up amongst this, this energy crisis and the huge spike in wholesale prices, the, the massive volatility is some calls for, for intervention in the market. Some, some countries already have, you know, by subsidizing uh, retail and householders and also calls for redesigning uh, the, the current market. Do you see this as a threat to, to the segment in which you operate in the, in the, in the PPA market? Yeah, I personally feel we're only starting uh, in the renewable sector and maybe it's the beginning of the energy transition wobbles. So we're basically coming from an environment where renewable penetration was very low and uh, didn't really matter. And now we're having countries approaching 40-50% and we're phasing out firm capacity like coal or nuclear in Germany. And this makes the whole system more volatile and more uh, pricing on the edge. And this doesn't happen in, a, in an environment without impact on, uh, on society and without politics. And we have seen stress. We have seen it in Italy recently. We have seen it in, in Spain. Regulators, politics will not just leave those searches and this volatility without notice and will intervene. The question is whether this is done in a systematic manner, and I would expect that we will see uh, new regulations, especially aimed at the capacity market, and we will, we will have higher volatility. So I'm pretty sure there will be regulatory inventions coming down the next, next one, two years in Europe. But at the same time, the, the overriding ambition is, is net zero and, and is this huge growth in renewables. So I'm not sure if that's a contradiction, but uh, I'm sure they have to tread very carefully not to kill off this kind of booming renewables uh, market. You know, another aspect that has been very clear is for countries, you know, like Norway and Sweden have seen huge price differences between um, the areas. So the different price zones in, in Sweden and Norway, you know, does this restrict the signing of PPA deals or does it just make it much more complex? Good question. Um... It makes it more difficult. I mean, we in the in the Scandinavian system, most of the deals uh, are signed on local price basis, which implies uh, some uh, spreads between uh, the system price and the local price. And this liquidity is not going up, uh, so making it more costly for the providers of those hedges. So having more or less liquid trading in between the price zones and not so big differentials which you could count on were conducive to do ppas and this just added this volatility and this price disparity are adding new complexity new uh, risk premiums uh, to to the providers so it's in the end not 
uh, helpful, but it will take a, a while until this goes away. Uh, you need to build new interconnection capacity. Uh, you need to see how uh, overall price level is developing. We have huge disparities between north and south. In some areas, actual wholesale market prices would not allow new investments. In other areas, prices are so high that buyers uh, on the corporate side shy away. So rather, I would be a bit bearish right now how this situation is currently impacting deal flow. You know, related to that as well, I mean, if we if we look ahead and what the outlook is, is for the remainder of the year, you know, we're in the middle of the energy crisis. There's talk about, you know, potentially redesigning some of some of the system. Are you seeing, you know, in terms of 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 the deal signed, is there a tendency that companies want to sign shorter uh, PPAs? I absolutely believe so. We what we have seen also last year is that the classical ten year PPA market is uh, becoming squeezed. So there's first of all the disappearance of the so-called pay-as-produced PPA, and or the la- long-term PPAs have become relatively speaking more expensive. And what is the consequence? Investors are much more interested in in shorter-term deals. And uh, what we believe is that there will be a clear trend going forward of investors actually doing shorter term, more baseload type of PPAs because they have become much more uh, attractive price-wise compared to long-term PPAs. And on the same side, we expect to be more super large deals uh, between corporates, large corporates and offshore parks along what BSF has been doing, which are then 15 to 20 years involved in equity element. So we believe the PPA market will be segmenting along the tenor, having uh, a more active, let's say, up to five-year PPA market, eventually also seeing premiums for new build. Uh, if you contract uh, on a shorter tenor, we will see maybe a bit, still a large 10-year PPA market, but overall, maybe not growing. And we see the emergence of a, let's call it, mega deal market, uh, where you have super large buyers and offshore parks doing large-scale deals. So definitely going to see a lot of dynamic. And when you think about it, it's actually a good development because in some way, the long-term PPA is a bottleneck to the energy transition because if all the new investments depend on having a 10-year PPA deal, because this would allow leverage, this would allow bank financing, if this bottleneck falls away, you will have, well, more deals, but it has implications of uh, who is able to do deals. So it's a super fascinating development where when you look back probably in five, six years, we will see that this was a, a year, 2021, 2022, where we saw the new scene, the new kids on the block. And we believe it's going to be the next generation utilities, basically large institutional investors and IPP trying to actually replicate the old utility business model. They are doing themselves trading. They're doing themselves energy sales. They're covering more of the value chain, and uh, that's a good development overall. But you mentioned the the disappearance of the pay as produced. Why why is that happening? The pay as produced PPA takes away the so-called cannibalization risk, which we already talked about, Richard. And this cannibalization risk is ultimately a model risk. No one can hatch it. So if you go to a utility which gives you a pay as produced price. They internally have a model where they price this uh, capture risk and how it could evolve. And there is a limit to this type of risk appetite. 
And we have seen across the development of markets, when you look at the Nordics 2017, it was absolutely common to do pay as produced. But since a few years, it's not available anymore. Every, almost the exception proves <laughs> the rule, but almost every deal in the Nordics has been a, a baseload type uh, PPA in the last two, three years. And the same we are seeing now in Spain. The last three years, every, every solar PPA was a pay as produced, but this suddenly has become super expensive or non-available. So it seems to be a sign of market maturity. And yes, that's one of the key challenges, how to manage uh, this cannibalization risk. But it is very difficult for off-takers to take on. It's not a natural risk-taking. Is there also a case, as we're seeing shorter deals, that some investors or some firms will bypass PPAs altogether and, or banks and just see, look at the forward market and say, you know, I can, I can build a wind park looking at these prices. I can, I can do that very profitably. I, I don't need to go all through the, the processes of, of signing a PPA or dealing with, with banks or utilities. Absolutely. Those, those type of investors are becoming participants in the wholesale market, indirectly or directly. And a very boring definition of a PPA is it's an instrument to structure your cash flow. So when uh, a professional investor looks at uh, available options, I can do a three-year deal, five-year, 10-year deals, and he sees that pricing is skewed towards, uh, in terms of discounts, relative discounts towards the short term, he has higher return, but higher risks. And that's exactly what is happening now. The really interesting aspect there is that those investors to actually deal with three-year PPAs, baseload PPAs, they need to have much more capacities on energy risk management, energy sales. And also from a financing perspective, you will not get project financing with three to five-year deals. So it is a bit pushing the players into balance sheet finance, different capital structures. And that's something which we're seeing as well. Just, just a final question, Luca. You mentioned Italy, the Nordics. We talked a bit about these, these big, bills, big deals. But one country which we haven't talked about is France. Do you think this is an attractive market? Is that somewhere that um, you can see some growth in the, in the coming years? Yeah, what about France? Uh, why wasn't there a PPA market? So far, the answer was the auction is way too uh, attractive. Uh, you could yield very good results in the auction. So. Otherwise, prices are very correlated to Germany. They would allow for new build, non-subsidy. In the end, uh, it is then a question of how the future auctions are going to be designed, whether this will allow the private market to develop. Perfect, Luca. You know, we, we could, I, could, I could stay here for hours talking about this subject. It would be great to, to have you back um, either later this year or early next year, see how things develop in 2022. But but for now, that's all we've got time for. Luca Badretti, thanks very much for being a guest on the Monto Weekly Podcast. Thanks to you as well, Richard. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Monto Weekly Podcast. Please direct message, any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.